the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening, and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. Well, I can't believe it, but here we are at part 21 of our series on the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, this essential doctrine of the Christian faith is one of the most controversial teachings in the Bible. The doctrine of the Trinity has been misunderstood. It has been maligned, attacked, denied, and eisegeted throughout history, going all the way back to the Arian heresy under Arius Alexander. So the big question is, why is there so much biblical illiteracy when it comes to this important doctrine, particularly in our churches? And what can we do to disciple people in this essential teaching? Well, for the answer to this and much, much more, stay tuned, for we are not pretending we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed. And thank you so much for that introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us tonight on Contending for the Faith. We are looking forward to seeing what God is going to do, uh, as always, through this dynamic ministry that uh, is of him. And so thank you for all joining us tonight, and we have been uh, enjoying and being blessed by this series uh, on the, the Trinity. And as Brother Gary has said, uh, we are uh, at uh, number 21, part 21, and we're talking about Trinitarian texts as it relates to the Trinity, Trinitarian texts as it relates to the Trinity. And tonight, I want to talk about Trinitarian texts as it relates to God the Creator. Trinitarian texts as it relates to God the Creator. Now, when you look at Scripture teaching uh, who created the world, then all arguments stop there because it's confirming the fact that uh, the persons that created the world is God. You know, there's no way around that. And the scripture is very clear on that. And so the trivia question is, uh, who created the earth and the world? That's the trivia question. Who created the earth or the world? Who created the universe? And you know what most Christians say? They say that the Father did. And they stop right there. Well, that's partly right because... Uh, you're going to learn tonight that all three in the Godhead created the universe, which confirms the validity and historicity and authenticity 
of the fact that all three distinct persons are the one God. Now, uh, you're going to learn some apologetics tonight and how to defend the truth of the gospel, the word of God. And we are all about helping you to know what you believe and know why you believe it. So uh, it's important for you to not only know what you believe, but to know the address, where to find in the Bible the place where it confirms these truths. And that's what you're going to learn tonight. So we want to encourage you to get your pens and your paper and your Bible and get in a seat and get by a table so you can get this valuable biblical inspiration and uh, information uh, given to you tonight. So the critical question is, who created the heaven and the earth? Make note of that. Who created the heaven and the earth? Well, let's start off with the fact that the Father created the heaven and the earth. How do we know that? Because Genesis 1 and 1. Now, what you're learning now is what you believe and knowing why. So you're saying, we're saying that the Father created the heaven and the earth. That's knowing what? Now, knowing why is to go to Genesis 1 and 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, not evolution, but God created the heavens and the earth. That's very clear right there in Genesis 1 and 1. So the next question is, did the Son, the second person of the Trinity, we learned that the, the first person of the Trinity, God the Father, created the heavens and the earth because it says it in Genesis 1 and 1. What about God the Son? Did God the Son create the heaven and the earth? Yes, he did. How do we know that? How do we know what we believe and why we believe it? How do we know why we believe this? And make note of this. John 1, chapter 1, and verse 3. It says, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. That's talking about Jesus, because the subject of the matter uh, of that chapter is the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. So, and then verse three says, all things were made through him and without him was nothing made that was made. Colossians 1 and 16, continuing with Jesus Christ. For by him, all things were created that is in heaven, that is on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. That's another scripture on the fact that Jesus created the heavens and the earth and the world, the universe. Also another one. And notice all of these chapter ones. Isn't that interesting? Genesis chapter one, John chapter one, Colossians chapter one, now Hebrews chapter one, verse three, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, set down at the right hand of majesty on high. Here's another scripture in the chapter one uh, of the fact that Jesus was the creator and is the creator of the cosmos. Now, a lot of times when people read Hebrews chapter one and verse three, 
they just think of Jesus as the creator. But what about Jesus as the preserver? Because it says, uh, upholding all things by the word of his power. Don't you know that the galaxies are all upheld by Jesus? All atoms? Just suppose he were to just take his hands off of all of that. The whole universe would explode. We have a loving God who's preserving it because he loves us and he wants to protect us. Now, lastly, what about God the Holy Spirit? Did God the Holy Spirit create the heaven and the earth? That's an important question. Did God the Holy Spirit create the heaven and the earth? Now, most Christians don't hardly talk that much about God the Holy Spirit, even in churches. We need to talk about that more because Jesus said he left the Holy Spirit here as a comforter. He left and left him here to comfort us, to continue the work of Christ, to empower the church, to empower us as individuals. Now, did God the Holy Spirit create the heaven and the earth? Now, we want to say yes in knowing what we believe. But what about why? So if the average person were to ask you, where is that in the scriptures? Where is that where it says that the Holy Spirit created? Well, most Christians would, wouldn't know what to say. Well, after tonight, you'll know what to say. So in Genesis 1 and verse 2, Genesis 1 and verse 2, talking about the God, the Holy Spirit, created the heaven and the earth. It says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, notice that, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Hovering means creating it, moving upon it, being active in the creative process. Genesis 1, verse 2. What about another scripture that talks about the Holy Spirit creating, you know, the universe? Well, this is one that I love as well, and that's Job 26 and verse 13, one of the oldest books in the Bible. Job 26 and verse 13 says, by his spirit, he adored the heavens. In other words, adored means not only admired it, but created it. By his spirit, he adored the heavens. His hand pierced the bleeding serpent. Yeah, bleeding serpent. His hand, meaning his hand, was involved with the creative process of the heavens. Now, this one blows every cult and false religion out of the water. Job 33 and verse 4. Job 33 and verse 4. This is crystal clear here. The Spirit of God has made me. How clear can you get than that? <laughs> That's so powerful. The Spirit of God has made me and has breathed the breath, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Wow. So it's saying that the Spirit of God has made me, and then later on it says, the Almighty has given me life. Well, if the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit made you, then he's identified also as the Almighty that gives you life. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and edification and exhortation of his holy word. And for those who are listening to this message tonight, and you have been 
ignorant of God's word regarding him as being the creator, or maybe you have denied the Trinity being involved with the creation. We're going to have a prayer right now, and I want you to repeat after me with this prayer. Dear Lord, forgive me for being ignorant of your word. Empower me by your spirit to know your truth and to obey it and to follow it. Help me, Lord, to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for those who have denied the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all involved with the creation. This is a prayer for you. Lord, I confess my sins. I repent of my sins, of denying who you are. I accept you as the creator of my life. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And just help me to be in the Imago Day made in the Imago Day in the image of God. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches regarding God the Creator, being God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Brother Gary. Well, it's time for us to take a commercial break. Our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you tonight. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the calls, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith all these many, many years. It's because of those prayers that we're here today, that we're on the air right now as a result of the faithful, uh, effective, and fervent prayer of the righteous, continually sending those prayers up before the throne of grace. And we know God has been answering those prayers. So we thank you so much for that. And also we want to thank those of you who have partnered with us financially, because this is a listener-supported ministry, and we do constantly need your financial support in order to do what we do. Cost us 400 a week to remain on the air, and we're just happy to report right now that we are current, praise God, and we want to stay current. So we want to encourage you to continue to support the work of contending for the faith. There's two ways you can you can donate. One, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Just go online, get on your smartphone, your tablet, your computer, and go to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button, and it's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. So, Dr. Buckner, I understand you have something you want to read and a question that needs to be answered. Yes, Brother Gary, thank you so much. Appreciate that. And we do oftentimes get uh, wonderful letters uh, as well as support, and we appreciate that. And we did get a, uh, a letter from Sandy and also a donation, and she has asked the question uh, regarding uh, there is a scripture that I've never understood, 
I wonder if you could explain it. It is First uh, John 5 and 8, uh, that for there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, the blood, these three agree as one. Uh, I love the way you explain scripture. I get inspired every week to study and go deeper in the word. Thank you so much for teaching us and may God bless you and Gary Sandy. Well, that's a very good question. And people have asked that question about uh, this uh, scripture. Uh, and uh, let me just say this, that uh, when you get to 1 John 5 and 7, three that bear witness, the Old Testament law required that the testimony of uh, two or three witnesses uh, to be established uh, as a truth in a particular matter. So we see that uh, in Deuteronomy 17 and 6 and Deuteronomy 19 and 15 and John 8 and verse 17 and 18 and then 1 Timothy 5 and 19. Now, uh, just to add some more knowledge and wisdom around this, and I'll kind of say some things about what I believe the script that scripture is saying. First um, John 5, 7, and 8, uh, in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit, three that bear witness. Uh, it's important for us to know that uh, this particular, these two verses of scripture do not appear in the uh, oldest Greek manuscripts, and that's something important. Later on, it appeared in the Latin Vulgate, which... Uh, came along later on. Um, so, but even though that is true and it's not found in the oldest ancient manuscripts, uh, it still doesn't uh, take away from Trinitarian, other Trinitarian texts because there's multitudes of them. And one major one that I like is 2 Corinthians 13 and 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. In other words, we don't lean on one scripture or verse to demonstrate the, the, the truth of the Trinity when there are a multitude of scriptures throughout the New Testament that demonstrate the Trinity. Now, just let me kind of say some things what I think uh, what is being said about these, uh, the, the verse of scripture. Uh, so in First uh, John five and eight. That's the particular one that you want a little more clarification on. The spirit, the water, and the blood. Uh, this can point to the water, can point to the baptism of Jesus, as well as the blood that was shed at the cross. And, uh, and so at the baptism of Jesus, the Father and the Spirit testified to the Son. So the first point with this is that at the baptism of Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit testified to the Son. Now, he's talking about witness, right? We're talking about bearing witness. So they bore witness, and we find that in Matthew 3 and verse 16 17. The second point is the death of Jesus Christ also witnessed uh, to who he was. So the death of Jesus Christ also witnessed to who he was, and we see this in Matthew 25, uh, verses, verse 54, uh, Matthew 27, rather, Matthew 27, verse 54, and Hebrews 9 and 14. And then we have another witness, which is the third point, 
the Holy Spirit testifies. All of these testifying and witnessing throughout Jesus' life as he as he is identified or his identity. Uh, and we see this in another testimony or a testified situation of his life and his identity. And we see this in Mark 1 and 12, uh, Luke 1 and 35, and Acts 10 and 38. Um, so hopefully that sheds a little more light to this. Uh, now, I want to bring on one more point before we get to our uh, live callers, uh, that we did get a wonderful uh, uh, donation today, as well as a wonderful uh, letter of podcast uh, statement uh, from uh, William. And he says, hello, Dr. Buckner. I hope that all is well with the entire Contending for the Faith family. Uh, thank you for your solid biblical teaching. It has continuously helped me in my studies and my growth in the Word. Love the Trinitarian lecture on last week's show. Also, are you teaching any classes soon? If so, when? I am trying to set my work schedule so that I can return to school. Thank you, Dr. Bruckner, for all that you do. My family and I really appreciate it. Take care. God bless your brother in Christ, William. Yeah, so thank you, William, so much. And Sandy as well for the wonderful uh, letters and your donation as well. And to William, uh, asking about when I'm going to be teaching, you know, the COVID thing has cut down a lot of things. I've still been teaching in seminary, but I do a lot of, uh, I do community teachings at the East Bay Baptist Association office. So in September, I always do it in September uh, for about five weeks, and I will let you know and the Contending for the Faith uh, people uh, know when I will be doing that so that you can become a part of that, uh, as well as anybody that needs me uh, to come and teach in their churches now that it's opening up or be a guest speaker. Uh, you can contact us. Gary will give you that information. And uh, we are always excited to go in the community and uh, to amongst churches and be a blessing to equip them. So, Brother Gary, I'm going to turn it over to you, and we'll get to our first uh, caller. All right, let's go to line number one. Brother Rick's been waiting patiently. Brother Rick, how are you doing? I am blessed. I'm blessed to hear that letter from Bill Alexander. Yes, we always get encouraged by him, and sometimes... Every now and then he'll call in. So we appreciate him, uh, the letter, as well as his donation as well. And I, I, got a, I got a very, I think I got a question that's really germane to the subject tonight. Okay. We What's know that in the Bible, it very clearly uh, confirms that God is the uh, creator of the universe. He is the creator. He's the first cause. How can we bring in good science to also confirm this? Well, that's a very good question, uh, Rick, because uh, I have uh, dealt with uh, classes on this, and I've also, as an apologist, have taught my students that you can have the Bible, and even if you didn't have the Bible with you, you can use healthy science to demonstrate the validity and historicity and authenticity of the Bible. Now, there are 
four views of how the world was created and uh, four views. Now, there's not any more than these four views, okay? How the world was created. Now, uh, you know, so number one, uh, there are those who say that the earth and the world was created and it's eternal and will remain forever in eternity. Now, that's the first argument. Uh, and uh, even the evolutionary uh, hypothesis kind of hold to this nonsense to some degree, some of them. Uh, but this is what Jesus said. Jesus, we want to debunk that from what Jesus said, number one, is that this first argument, he says in Matthew uh, 24, verses 35 through 36, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will last forever. Now, that's the biblical motif, but uh, and even also Second uh, Peter 3 and 10, where the heavens and the earth will be burned up at the second coming of Christ, and he will recreate a new heaven and a new earth. But from a scientific standpoint, um, the and this is healthy science, and this is what every Christian should know from healthy science, that the uh, when someone argues infinite magnesium that the earth will be eternal, you debunk that from a healthy science perspective by saying, that the second law of thermodynamics says, and I know I'm getting really sophisticated with these words, but it, it, the second law of thermodynamics says that the Earth is maximum anthropy. And that, what does maximum anthropy mean? It means that the Earth is dying. The sun is dying. You and I are dying. And the Earth is dying because the sun is dying. It's, 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 losing heat energy. So what at one point, what was greater is lesser now. So that's very important. And the, the second argument that people use is uh, that the earth or the world came from nothing. That's what they say. The earth and the world came from nothing. Now, we know that that's not true, uh, even from the healthy science perspective, because the first law of physics says from nothing, nothing comes. So even the law of physics says from nothing, nothing comes. In other words, a table somebody made, a house, cars, et cetera, et cetera. Number three, I'm going to say this quickly so we get to a commercial break. The third argument that people use is that the earth or the world was illusionary. Now, this came back in the early uh, years going all the way back with Maya, with Hinduism, and, and what it, uh, and Gnosticism came out of uh, Maya, that, of Hinduism, that the earth is just an illusion. And that's what John and all of them was up against because except the word was made flesh. And John was saying, anyone that denies that Jesus coming flesh is the Antichrist. So they were up against uh, this Gnostic uh, mentality. Uh, and so... The point is, this this argument is the weakest because uh, all you have to do is tell the person when they say that the universe is an illusion, just say, demonstrate it to me by going on the freeway and standing in front of the biggest diesel and just look at the diesel and say, you're an illusion. <laughs> you will be disillusioned because you will not exist anymore on the cosmos by which you live. Now, the fourth and last one uh, is the best 
and the most uh, biblical, logical, rational argument, and that is the theistic argument that God created the heavens and the earth. And we know this from Genesis 1 and 1 and all the other scriptures that I gave about Jesus creating the, the world and the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then uh, he was the one who stepped out on nothing, grabbed a handful of nothing, threw nothingness nowhere, and it became a universe. And that's what Paul was dealing with in Romans 1, 2, and 3, when he lays out the three C's, where he's talking about Romans chapter 1, the creation, the first C, Romans chapter 2, the conscience, and Romans chapter 3, uh, Christ. And then Paul deals with the Stoic and Epicurean philosophers in Acts 17, where he lays out the general revelation, which is the creation, and then the specific revelation. And he mentions to these people, you're, you're being, you're, you know, ignorant of what God has already revealed. So hopefully, Rick, that helps out. Uh, that does a lot. But if you get that down, it's powerful because it's science, healthy science backing up the Bible. And, and basically, you stick to the four points. You're stick welcome. Four... Dr. Buckner, I had a couple of things I wanted to add to that. Yes. Remember back in, I guess in the in the 60s, there was a individual by the name of Carl Sagan. Remember Dr. Carl Sagan? Yes, right. Come on TV on PBS. And uh, he put out, he postulated that you only needed two criteria to have intelligent life uh, in the universe. You had to have the right kind of star or sun, and you had to have a planet that was the right distance, mm -hmm. like we are, 93 million miles from our sun, where they, they say that's the, the perfect distance. Um, too close, any closer we burn up, any further away we freeze to death. Based on that criteria, uh, he, they postulated that there were septillion planets. That's That number is well, one followed by 21 zeros, that many planets that would be able to support intelligent life. Now, we need to take a commercial break. When we come back, I, I, I want to finish this up. Let's take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Expert on the Calls, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And once again, we just want to thank all of you who have been supporting this ministry over the many, many years that we've been on the air that God has blessed us to continue to do this, this work. And, you know, it's, it's such a wonderful thing. We just appreciate you so much for your prayers and also for your financial support. It's just a, it's just a blessing every Every week as the letters and the donations roll in, and we're just very thankful and humbled that God would want to continue to bless this ministry in such a powerful way. And so we thank you. There's two ways that you can donate. Uh, simply send a letter or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Second way is so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button, and it's that simple. You'll be a blessing 
for time and eternity. All right, before the break, I was mentioning uh, Dr. Carl Sagan from way back in the day. He postulated that uh, basically you only need two criteria for a planet to be able to support life. That first criteria was you had to have the right size star or sun, and you had to have a planet that was the right distance from that sun. And based on that, they uh, basically determined that there were basically an octillion number of stars and planets. And that's a number that's so big, it's like the number one with 24 zeros after it. And the actual number of planets that would be able to support life, like we have it here on Earth, that number was a septillion. That's the number one followed by 21 zeros. That many planets existed that they thought. So what did they do? They started SETI. Remember that? The Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, right? That's what it stands for. And so they got all of these telescopes and radar things, and they're just pointing them at space, and they're broadcasting signals. And guess what they heard back? Nothing. Years went by. Nothing. And they discovered that science began to determine that it wasn't just two uh, factors. It wasn't just a star and the distance from that star, but they became, they found out after a while there were tw- 10 factors. Then they determined there were 20 factors. Then they determined there were 50 factors. And today they've realized that there are over 200 factors that re- are required to support life as we know it on planet Earth. A good example of that would be they've discovered that the planet Jupiter, because of its placement, and size, it acts as a magnetic shield for the Earth so that asteroids don't hit us. We'd be looking like uh, a dartboard if, if Jupiter wasn't there in the exact space and orbit uh, that it's in to protect the planet. So we know that science is determining certain things, that the Earth is a very unique uh, situation, that there aren't all of those Uh, possibilities of life out there and that there's something unique about the creation of our planet. We also know that the universe is in motion. So the question then becomes, who put it in motion? If I take a pencil and roll it across the table, that pencil didn't roll by itself. So we know that there is, you know, we talk about God as the the, uh, intelligent uh, creator that put things into motion that created us a situation in the universe that is so unique that it's that they don't have that number of planets like they thought. That's why there's so much silence out there. But anyway, just wanted to add that to the mix. That's a good good piece of uh, information and history. And we appreciate you doing that, Brother Gary. And I know many that are listening got blessed by that as well. Amen. Thank you for that. Uh, All right. who, Who do we have next? We've got uh, Brother Cece. Brother Cece, how are you doing? Now, what's on your heart and your mind? I wanted to ask you, um, what, do you um, what caused the Jewish wars between the years 66 A.D. and 70 A.D.? Well, that's a very good question. What, what sparks you to, to ask a question like that? I'm just curious. Because uh, I was just doing some study, and I know I know there was there was there was some wars that had broke out. And I know Jesus has told Jesus has said to flee to the mountains or something like that. And I was wondering, okay, well, what what exactly caused these wars? 
Well, that's a good question. Well, the so one of the things that uh, caused the, the, the war, and now um, the first Jewish revolt, as you mentioned, was AD 66 through 70. And you, and you know, again, Jesus in Matthew 24 predicted that uh, the temple would be destroyed in 70 AD. Now, so uh, I just want to bring that out first of all. So the, and this is pointing all to that, uh, build up to that. So the first Jewish revolt uh, was in AD 66 through 70. The Jewish rebellion against Roman rule in Judea. So the first Jewish revolt was the result of a uh, long series of clashes. So it was a long series of clashes in which small groups of Jews, you know, small groups of Jews offered a sporadic resistance to the Romans. So they started really resisting the Romans, who in turn responded with severe uh, countermeasures. And so when this little small group uh, came into resistance against the Romans, they got extremely angry and picked up their vengeance. So in the fall of uh, AD 66, the Jews combined in a revolt and expelled the Romans from Jerusalem. So they were able to put them out of Jerusalem. And then what happened from there, a revolutionary government was then set up and extended its influence throughout the whole uh, country. And then uh, Vespasian, who was sent by the Roman emperors, Emperor Nero uh, was uh, sent uh, to the Roman Emperor Nero to crush the rebellion. And, you know, messing with Nero uh, was a bad thing, a, a real wicked, evil thing. He was joined by Titus, the emperor, and together the Roman armies entered Galilee, where the historian Josephus headed the Jewish forces. And now a lot of people don't know that about Josephus, because they just think that he was a historian, but he was a, a warrior on the battlefield. So, uh, so uh, Nero uh, went forth to crush the rebellion. So he was joined by Titus, the emperor, together with the Roman armies. They entered Galilee, where the historian Josephus headed the Jewish forces. Now, Josephus' army was confronted by the Roman armies and fled because it was too many of them. Uh, and Josephus gave himself up and the Roman forces swept the country. And in, and in AD 70, Jerusalem fell and the temple was burned from the top to the bottom and the Jewish state collapsed. And uh, this is where even a lot of the, um, the um, I would say, the historical informations, uh, the uh, history and information on uh, the Jewish people roots uh, and uh, uh, biography of their families were literally obliterated. So a lot of the stuff that was going on in terms of the Jews knowing their ethnicity and their roots when they went into that temple where they preserved a lot of that stuff was completely wiped out and destroyed. So anyway, hopefully that gives you a Reader's Digest condensation uh, of this. And, uh, and hopefully it will excite you 
uh, to want to uh, read some more on it and study more on it. I, I, I definitely want to read more on it. I appreciate all that information you gave me. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do some more study on that. I'm going to be on that, man. That's that's some that's some that's some good meat right there. That's going that's going to really keep me busy. So I appreciate that. I'm going to definitely study on that. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for your question as well, and we'll get your prayer request next time so we can get uh, these other callers in here. But always appreciate your call and your uh, important question as well. I know a lot of people got blessed by that question. Thank you, Brother CC. Thank you very much. And if you can pray for me on your own uh, later on with you and your wife, I appreciate it. We sure will. We always do that uh, anyway, but appreciate you saying that. God thank bless. God bless. All right, Brother All right. Go to uh, Brother Jermaine. Jermaine, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Oh, good, brother. Good to hear your voice. And what's on your heart tonight? Well, just um, preparing to uh, talk to my, my Jehovah's Witness friend. And I um, I own the New World Translation. I have a copy of that. And I see there's something very dangerous because I see a lot of words are very biased and, and switched to get you to think along the lines of a Jehovah's Witness. But, but, you know, the problem I have is a lot of them will swear that it's the most accurate translation on the planet. <laughs> However, the, the problem is when uh, anybody that knows anything, you know, about the Bible knows that it's so jaded and biased that, you know, I actually feel bad for some of these people because I can see that how the deception is if you really want to serve God and learn the truth, and this is what you started out with, and, you know, you're not allowed to ask questions in a cultic environment, you can get fooled. But just, yeah, it's uh, a very evil to, thing. Yeah, it's very, very twisted mm. how they have this. And I see how it's, it's run. It's a very spiritually deceptive practice. But I, I moved away from trying to debate to actually try to win souls, and these are people I care about now. But mm -hmm. trying to break it down why this is not the most accurate translation and even people who have left their religion or former elders. And I have friends who, who used to speak to thousands of people at the uh, San Francisco Coliseum and, and they left. And I'm just trying to break it down compassionately to them about this translation. Do, do you have any, any, I've been studying the Jehovah witnesses uh, for over 50 years. Now, this is some uh, good information that you want to make want to look at. Uh, there was a gentleman who was a very tall, thin guy by the name of Julius Manti. Julius Manti. Julius Manti uh, is passed on now. He's gone on to be with the Lord. But he was considered the greatest Greek scholar uh, that the church ever produced. And uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they used to uh, quote him uh, because they had that high respect for him. Well, when he looked at the New World Translation, uh, he uh, looked at John 1 and 1, where they put a God. Everything, everywhere with Jesus claimed to be God, they substituted to from a capital G to a little g. And Julius Manti, the greatest Greek scholar, wrote them and said, this is regrettable. Greek, you need to stop this and change these, this, this translation. And when he said that to them, they looked at him and laughed at him like he didn't know what he was doing. Now, this is the greatest Greek scholar, Julius Manti, to confront them. That shows you how much in darkness they are. I would also say this, that there were about five 
uh, translators of the New World Translation. And none of them knew Greek because if they knew it, they wouldn't have been uh, translating a God and all of this nonsense. There is a book by the Jehovah's Witnesses that they don't, most people don't know about it, but to show how much they are in error, if you ever get from the Jehovah's Witnesses the emphatic diaglot, the emphatic diaglot, the emphatic diaglot uh, was, uh, and, and you look at John 1 and 1, it'll say on one side uh, was uh, a God and was, was God with a capital G. And then on the one in the English will have was God. And then on the, on the Greek side was a God. Now you can't have on one side, a God, and then the other side, capital G God. When that's generally shown to the Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't know what to say. And what I say is that you don't have any Greek scholars that know Greek. And so the New World Translation is not an acceptable translation by all scholars except the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, uh, it was translated and put together, published in 1961. It is inaccurate uh, and uh, it is misleading, is deceptive, and it's something where they add and take away from the Bible. And what does God say uh, in the Old Testament and New Testament? Anyone who add or take away from this book, God will take away his part from the tree of life. So, uh, but, uh, and then also, they're not only just honest with John 1 and 1, but the New World Translation adds the word other four times in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, this implies that Jesus was first created and then then he created other things. So dishonesty, uh, ignorant, don't know the scriptures. And uh, so you can argue with them over that, but I will stick with Jesus because if they don't get right with him, they're not going to get right with the translation. So stick with Jesus, stick with John 20, 28, 29, Revelation, and that's the thing to do. We'll be praying for you, but uh, that's just some extra stuff that I gave you over Julius Manny and some of the other stuff. Hopefully that helps out. And then reading the Kingdom of the Coast book, uh, Walter Martin will be able to really help you with some good resources around that. All right. Well, uh, more willing, I'll, I'll call you guys back with, with part three next week. Appreciate it. Yeah, and let us know how it turned out. I know uh, we have Sophia. There's no time at all. No, the music's playing now. Okay. Well, to tell, to tell you what, Sophia, you call in next week with that same question. We'll hold it for you, and we'll bump you up first. So make sure you call right away at the top of 7, around 7, and we'll get you right at the at the beginning with your question. Thank you for your patience, too. Brother Gary. All right. Well, please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time. We will once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.